live from the Coachella Valley. Time for another hour of the desert scene, art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And good Saturday morning to you. Welcome to the new two-hour edition of the Culture Corner. And I'm so excited to um, be sharing this new two-hour program with Brian Mendoza, who um, bored out for me many times and had his own show called it's Fli- was Flicks and Picks, yes. right? Um, uh, before and now we've joined forces, and so we're doing a two-hour version of the Culture Corner, covering everything: theater and music and film and what's going on in the world a little bit too. So. Um, Hey, Brian, welcome. Hey, I'm so happy to be on here because I've always loved your show. So for me, it's like, you know, it makes sense. Let's combine. Let's get together and actually create some radio magic. Absolutely. Can you, is there any way to turn my headphones up just a little bit? Oh, yeah, right there. The button right there. Uh, <laughs> the, oh. I think. Uh, check, check one. Done. There it is. Nope. No, no. I think it's the first one. Now we're having there. some bloopers. Live All right. Bloopers. Well, I can hear. Not just great, but um, I can hear. Okay. So. Um, so we wanted to, we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. So, some theater, some film, um, the pandemic. But um, I, we got to, I mean, the culture, the word culture incorporates a lot of stuff. I mean, it's not just theater and film and music and, and dance. It's also, you know, human nature. What's happening in the world is part of the culture. And unfortunately, what's happening in the world right now is really um, not great. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. Um, I, I would mean, say divisiveness, yeah, absolutely. divisiveness. And I think that there's this general, uh, ev- it seems like every four years or every eight years, there's a sort of a big pantheon sh- shift in the culture. So for a lot of people, it's like eight years ago, they felt welcomed. And now eight years now, it's like, well, I don't feel so welcomed anymore. Mm-hmm. Or some people, certain opinions are now popular when back then they were unpopular. And yeah. it's like, culture is a much bigger thing than we give it credit for and i think the arts are a way for us to see the culture for what it is i think it's a way to a yeah to see the culture to kind of reflect back to us what's happening how we're humans are interacting with each other and some and sometimes it's uncomfortable as it should be um Mm. that's sometimes the purpose of theater and arts is to uh for us to hopefully expand our horizons learn and grow and maybe see uh, learn about someone else's experience that might not be the same as ours that hopefully could lead to some more understanding you know people people part of the divisiveness I think is based on fear which is based on some something that's different something you don't know about something that's foreign or different to you and a lot of times people find that scary and that sometimes manifests itself as anger and uh, rejection no I definitely agree with that and the thing about art too is the uh it, it, it's a response to things. For example, someone will make an art. Uh, let's say like um, there, I've seen so many like artists who say, I don't really like this political correctness. So I'm going to make something that attacks it. Mm-hmm. Or I don't like this. I don't really like the divisiveness this one person's putting out. So I'm going to make a, a like a piece of art or a movie or something to kind of respond to it. And mm-hmm. for me, it's like that's both the beauty and in sometimes the madness of art is mm-hmm. the fact that you everyone's gonna have a response to something and the culture i mean it's one of those things where culture is ever evolving mm-hmm. it's very difficult to kind of keep track of because like i swear that suddenly i wake up one day and i realize wow there's so many 
plays and movies with people of color. And eight years ago, I didn't even realize that Absolutely. that was even a problem, for example. Or I didn't realize that there was so much, um, so many movies and TV shows that dissect masculinity. Mm -hmm. Because back then, like, we had a lot of, in the 80s, for example, there was a lot of action movies with, like, hyper-masculine men. Mm -hmm. But now I watch something on TV and... I kind of like it because I didn't relate to those hyper-masculine mm -hmm, versions. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, okay, I'm not... And a exactly. lot of people don't. That's that's a minority of what <laughs> men look like, you know. And for me, it's like, wow, like all these TV shows are dissecting that and almost making fun of it because of how ridiculous it mm -hmm, is. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about culture is that it it's a dissection, too. You dissect things and you grow with it. And yeah. I think it's fascinating. And that's the thing about... And I think people, on, when they hear culture, they kind of think pop culture but even mm -hmm. then that, there's some depth to that too yeah you know absolutely and you know we and we're going to touch on this several times throughout the show but one of the big issues one of the many <sighs> divisive and depressing and anger inducing issues that's going on right now is the racial divide in this country which is worse oh, now yes. than it's ever been and i think in my humble opinion um the person in the white house right now has just thrown gasoline on that fire and has just made it okay for um, some of these ugly um, ugly speech and ugly actions and even violence against uh, people of that are not of your race and I think before it's like it's like people were in the some people were in the shadows before hiding or under rocks and now all of a sudden it's okay they're just out there screaming yelling running around with their guns mm -hmm. and uh, it's 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 scary and it's really sad and one of the things I got to point out is that without making it too much political but the thing is culture in some ways is political you know I mm -hmm. think that we underestimate that our culture has to include politics yeah. in it. and if we don't acknowledge it it's like then what are we doing you know yeah. what are we talking about right. and one of the things I will say is the fact that there's so much, like you said, so much open racism. But it's also interesting because when you point out that that's openly racist, they say, no, I'm just supporting the police or I'm supporting this group. And it's like, look, you're not really supporting anybody if you're doing it to attack somebody. Mm -hmm. And for me, one of the one of the things I've had to explain to people is you don't want one person to be your judge jury and executioner no. and a lot of people justify certain bad things that happen like like the kyle rittenhouse situation and i've seen a lot of like to bring it back to art i've seen a lot of um i'm gonna say uh, uh, caricature comics i don't know how they call it like political cartoons mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. kind of paint him as a hero and i thought you no you don't want to live on this street like yeah. just go somewhere else do not do not die on this hill, as they would say. If this is the hill you want to die on, don't. Yeah. Well, the and people are forgetting in in the heat of all this. You're wrong. I'm wrong. You're wrong. I'm, you know, I'm going to punch you. I'm going to shoot you. People are forgetting r r r norms of how society is supposed to uh, interact with each other and law. The, I mean, the law is you're innocent until proven guilty. Not, you know, we don't like what you did, and so we're going to shoot you in the back seven times. Or, or we think maybe you might have done this. We think maybe you might have done this. We're just going to kill you on the street. I mean, people are not supposed to be killed in the process of being arrested. And the thing is true. And there's one thing I was told by someone true justice doesn't come when you when the person who hurt you died they come when they get a trial and they go through the exactly. fairness system because the thing is though is that so many people 
don't get a trial mm -hmm. and they're innocent. Mm -hmm. And if we treat guilty people with a trial, then it sets a precedent that innocent people will get a fair shot. Yeah. That's the thing is that a lot of places in the world, like people think that this is something that happens in the rest of the world. It's really not. No, no. It's not for the most part. No. In other countries like Norway and Sweden, they have beautiful prisons. And I and some people say, beautiful, what are you talking about? Over there, they believe in reforming people. They don't believe in killing people or executing them or basically punishing people. Because for them, it's set up in a way where you can't leave a house, but imagine like the imagine your house like a smaller version of your house where mm -hmm. it's like one like a one bedroom apartment their prisoners are kept there because the idea is you're going to get help whether or not you like it or not right. and it's not we're going to keep you imprisoned because if you think about it when i if someone goes to prison and i think everyone's aware how un inspiring prison is yes. it's not like for the most yeah the problem some of them are pretty pretty awful as i understand it yeah and for me it's like you they call it the prison fallacy where it's like you don't really want to improve and I think that we have to kind of push to do better and realize that maybe the rest of the world has it quite on track because if we think about it we're so focused on our world problems we don't see that the other people that other places have these solutions like no one else votes for health care in other countries like here we have a debate about health care and it's outrageously expensive and just you know, inequities are really awful. Yeah. And in other countries, they don't even, that's not an issue. It's yeah. like, it, it kind of feels like I was cheated a little bit to some extent because it feels like, wow, we have all this debate about all these things and maybe we shouldn't have a debate. Maybe it's the answer is right there. And I was kind of gaslit into believing that it's a debate. And it's like, no, I don't think certain things should be a debate. Certain things, we can always improve on things. Let's mm -hmm. say if healthcare was really good and say, let's make it better mm -hmm. rather mm -hmm. than should we give people healthcare or not? You know what I mean? Especially well, and, during a pandemic. And, and it, sadly, part of that, the healthcare issue, sadly comes down to money and cert certain people and pharmaceutical companies and certain people making piles and piles and piles of money because it is so expensive, which is outrageous. I want to go back to the prisons for a second. Um, yeah, you would think that part yes you go to prison that's punishment but you would hope if someone's unless they have a life sentence they're going to come out at some point and you want to hope that they come out at least somewhat reformed rather than bitter and angry and run and go out in the street and kill somebody again and the other thing just flashed in my head this is a simplistic thing but i just love this idea there's a a, a tribe so i think somewhere in africa oh, who um when someone in the tribe does something wrong or you know heirs or whatever they everyone comes to the town the center of the town all the people and that person is in the center and instead of screaming at them they all sit there and talk about things that are good about them you know what we think is good you know you're really this you have a big heart you're all the things that are good about this person and apparently a lot of times it seems to work when you focus on hey you know what you really this thing you did wasn't so hot but you know you really are a good person and i thought wow if we could incorporate even just a tiny piece of that into i know that's not what prison is supposed to be about no, yeah. but a little bit of reform and learning a new skill and what have you wouldn't that be better and certainly you don't just shoot someone on the street in the process of arresting them or stand on their neck or suffocate them with a plastic bag no and especially considering that i think another thing is that we also have to hold accountable the people that defend those actions because defending those actions enables them and the thing is though you you do not want to enable the death of a person. Like no. that's just not something you should live with. And Bad I think karma. And for me, that tells me a lot about a lot of my friends. Mm -hmm. It's like 
it, it kind of hurts when you see friends of yours that you thought were really nice and supportive and you were or even people you work with and then you see their posts it's like really like this is where at least it tells me who you are yeah but it hurts me to see who you are absolutely that's the th one of the really sad things about this whole thing this divide with trump is yeah is people that you thought sometimes you thought you knew and all of a sudden you see these posts and you think wow their values and their ethics and morals are not quite what i thought they were and you know what's my friendship with them based on yeah it is really sad and yeah. the thing would be that it kind of makes you look back on interactions and realize okay they actually did tell you who they were they just were scared to tell you and also because you I didn't like, want to see it sometimes yeah that's true and the i like to say the obama era had the unfortunate thing of making racists kind of hide themselves because you realize now they're they're right in the open it's a yeah. lot scarier honestly for me it's like i i kind of wish they were more out back then because it wouldn't be as scary no and maybe by this point they would have silence down a little bit you know yeah. what i mean yeah it's 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 really sad well i'm just i'm praying i'm hoping i'm looking forward to <laughs> november 3rd and hopefully we'll have a little change but i think you know gosh we've got to start you know caring about each other you know and just not fighting all the time it's I, just sad i believe that too like i think that we need to just honestly have an open heart in our conversations because the thing is though and also to realize it's okay to criticize in a bad, bad civil things. civil way in, in civil a civil way, way yeah. it's okay to push back against things that are going to hurt other people because yes. the thing is if you if you tolerate something that hurts people you are hurting them exactly exactly you're somewhat complicit all right are we uh, um, we're going to talk in just a minute to robbie wayne who is the artistic director of desert rose playhouse and they've got some bunch of changes coming up we'll talk to him in just a minute You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. And we are back on The Culture Corner, the new two-hour version here with uh, Brian Mendoza. And we're joined by Robbie Wayne, one of my favorite people, yay, who is the Hi. Uh, hey, artistic director of Desert Rose Playhouse. And I know he's knee-deep in in stage stuff and bar stools and all kinds of stuff. So how's it going? I know you just recently moved from your old location, the commissary to Palm Springs. I guess it was the old Zelda's building. So tell us about that and how that all came about. Well, I mean, it, it's crazy how it all happened. We had uh, rent just adding up and adding up at the old location for a, a building that we couldn't use. And um, it was just so small. We, we knew that any kind of show or, or inside production was just uh, you know a long ways off so rather than um you know accumulating all of this debt and 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 having to pay this rent we decided we were going to have to let the venue go and so we told the landlords on like a monday that we were going to have to break our lease uh, we were on a month to month because we had been there for several years but we told the landlord we were going to have to break our lease and uh move everything into storage to save the money, you know, to try to stop the hemorrhaging of money for no reason. And within four or five days, uh, my fiance Matt went by the old Zelda's location and saw a for lease sign in the, in the front. And he had been talking about that for about a year, about how great that space was. And so we said, well, let's just give it a, a, a walkthrough. We walked in and the place screams that it is begging to be a theater. 
the way that it was laid out, just everything there. And so we said, well, let's just see what happens, you know. So we made a video, and we asked for the money to be able to, you know, get everything together and pay the deposit and move. And within 10 days, the community had come together and and donated enough money for us to be able to move and take over the lease. And it just all happened like a whirlwind. I mean, it still seems like just a dream the way that it all happened. That's great. Brian's got a question for you. <laughs> I was going to say for you in the old in the old space, what are some what does a space mean to you as a creative director? Like for you, the how does the old space like what does it mean to you like as a director? Well, when we left the old space, I actually I I cried a couple of times uh because there was so many amazing moments in that space and the challenges were so unique. I mean, the ceilings were only like eight feet and we had lights on top of that and then a stage and then it was just a tiny space. And uh, it was, it was still like losing an old friend because we had had so many amazing memories there. And, And then to walk into this new space with, you know, 18, 20 foot ceilings high and, and to see all of this stuff, it's going to be a totally different experience. So there's still a loss of of the, you know, like I say, it was like my old friend. There's a loss of the old space, but the creative opportunities in the new space are just so much bigger. I mean, we, we can really raise the levels of the shows in this new space more so than what we could in the old. But, you know, they, they still were amazing, both in their own unique ways. So, uh, Robbie, I know, do you have sort of a timetable? I know you still have a lot of work to do to get both both, uh, both renovating the space and then, of course, some of it depends on the pandemic and what's happening with the regulations of what can be open and not. Do you have an idea of when you might have an actual season or, or how that would manifest itself? You know, I have had a lot of ideas over the last couple of months and, and, and life has said, uh, hold on. You know, uh, that's not happening. This is your reality. So, you know, I'm playing it day by day. We're getting it ready as fast as we can. And then as soon as we feel safe, and that's the thing, it's when we feel safe for us, for our patrons and for our actors and our cast and crew, you know, when we feel like it's safe for us to come in under whatever regulations and uh, precautions, then that's when we'll open. But, uh, you know, right now, Honestly, looking at it, I don't see it happening before December, January. Yeah. You know, that's that makes a lot of sense because I think everyone in the theater community is really unsure about when we're going to come back. When are we going right. to ha- be able to have fun and feel safe? Because it's not because movie productions are coming back and they're getting people are getting sick on them. Yeah. But you said you exactly. had some, and you said you had some ideas. Now, the, here's kind of a question I wanted to ask, but is to it, I guess is the year 2020 the political climate and COVID has it inspired any ideas for future plays that you may have actually like well it's not inspired me to do plays it's definitely um it's definitely given me some insight as to what i think the the general public and the community is going to want to come out to see Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so you know i feel personally in our programming coming out of the gate, we're staying away from politics. We're staying away from, uh, you know, disaster themes. We're staying away from all of that because when people go to the theater, I feel like they go there to be taken away from their regular life. 
I don't want to put on stage what we've been going through for all these many months right. and then just reminisce about that kind of thing. How, how awful it so was. I'm yeah. Happy. Yeah. 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 I think happy it, and, and fun and all of that. Yeah, I think I think when the, when theaters reopen, at least for a while, people want to see you know stuff like Oklahoma, Little Mary Sunshine, Happy, 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 because you know we've, that's been too dark for too long. You know, and escapism exactly. escapism is valid. You know, like it's not you can commentate on the thing that's happening, but escapism is just as valid form of art too. Yeah, because you got you got to stay. We don't want to all just want to be slitting our wrists every day. I mean, you know, we got to right. find ways to stay happy now and then. Yes, exactly. So we in in our uh, game plan, everything we're doing is is laughter or you know it's going to be very light or or it takes you to a whole other place outside of your regular life. Well, Robbie Wayne, congratulations on the new space. I can't wait till it's all done. We get back in there. Uh, check out uh, Desiree's Playhouse website and see what's going on. Have fun. Don't work too hard. Okay. Thank you so much. I can't. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we are back on the Culture Corner, our two-hour version. I'm here with Brian Mendoza. And now, the culture, as we talked about before, is not all arts and entertainment. It's also, to some degree, what's happening in the world. And I'm so really excited after being in radio for, I don't know, 20-some years. I've never had my sister on one of my shows. Be able to, my sister, the Reverend Kendall Gibbons, is joining us. Hey, Kendall, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Um, listen, before we get into the nitty-gritty, my sister is a Unitarian minister. She is the minister of the All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church of Kansas City. And I know some of our listeners might not know a lot about Unitarians. So I thought we I would have you really briefly explain to people what Unitarians believe. Well, uh, sure. The most important thing is, is that the... You cannot have a life of spiritual authenticity without being honest with yourself and other people and whatever divine forces you understand there to be about what you really believe. So uh, for us, it does not make sense to go to church or anywhere else and repeat words that you either don't understand what they mean or don't believe what they say. So it's that sense of, of integrity, and that's why we come from very early Christians who thought that Jesus was a human being, a wise teacher, someone who had a unique relationship with God as he understood him, but not himself divine, and so they were not Trinitarians, they were Unitarians. That's where the name comes from. But the principle is that you have to be honest about what you really believe. Okay, I love that. That's fabulous. Well, speaking of that, so I'm I'm imagine you're in a kind of a unique position in the middle of this chaos that we are in yeah. at the moment <laughs> in this country. How yep. how do you as a clergy person, a minister, how do you counsel people in your individually or in your congregation to not lose their minds in the middle of all this and stay sane and centered and hold on to whatever spirituality they have. Right. Well, I think you you have to have three things to cope with this kind of 
unknown situation, and um, they don't have to be from a church, but that's what a church is for. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to have a set of values. You know, you have to have commitments about the kind of person you want to be in the world. And if you have those commitments, that doesn't change because there's a pandemic. That doesn't change because um, crazy people are in charge of stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I still want to be the kind of person that I said I wanted to be a year ago or 10 years ago Mm -hmm. or whenever. And even though that evolves and changes as we grow, it changes because of what we learn, not because of what is happening out in the world. So if you if you have a set of values, a commitment, a, a picture of what kind of person do you want to be, you hang on to that. You don't you don't throw that out the window because everything is um, changing around you. The second set, the second thing you need is a set of practices um, that both practices that are nurturing and comforting to you and then practices that call you out to make a difference in the world. So, you know, some people garden, some people journal, some people do meditation, you know, whatever that practice is that helps you be in touch with yourself and what gives you strength, you keep that up. You don't let that go, you know, no matter how crummy you're feeling. um, And even if it doesn't feel like it's productive and it doesn't feel like, oh, it's not making me feel real good at the moment. That doesn't matter. You keep doing it anyway, because it's going to nurture you over the long run. And the same thing with the practices that call you out into the world. You know, if if you, um, you know, work with feeding the homeless like my husband does Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, if you tutor at the local school or if whatever it is you do to try and make the world a better place, keep that up. Mm-hmm. And even though you feel like, well, this is a drop in the bucket, this doesn't really make any difference, it it does. It makes a difference to your life and the lives of the people you touch. So you, you stay with those practices. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing we all need is community. You know, we need a group of people who are going to know us, who are going to appreciate and support us, who are going to question us when they see something weird going on. Um, And they're going to be there for us when we need them. And they're going to expect us to be there for them when they need something from us. And that keeps us tied to the world. It keeps us tied into our humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when there's a lot of cruelty, there's a lot of deception, there's a lot of um, unknown and suspense out there. If In that community, you still can rely on those people. So I think if you have those three things, you will be okay. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think the community piece of it is a little harder now because we're uh, right. can't get gather in huge groups and you know worship together have parties or have fun it's got to be right. very either distanced or very small groups so it, that's even more challenging than normal right it is which is why you know i always have told people you know don't wait until someone dies to start asking your theological questions that's not the right moment yeah. to be trying to build that um, so I think of it as doing your homework, you know, be, be prepared to understand what you think about life and what your values are 
when you're not facing a crisis. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true now. It's very hard to build community from scratch right now. Yeah. Like you say, you know, so but it can be done for a lot of people. It just means reconnecting with family. You know, that's the first step. Mm -hmm. Um, But but also there are groups online. I mean, our our congregations are doing everything online pretty much now. And we're we're finding ways um you know, we we celebrated my 40th anniversary in the ministry with kind of a drive-by celebration where people were in masks, but we get to wave at each other. Mm-hmm. And um, we do, like, for our uh, opening service in the fall, we traditionally people bring water from someplace special that they went over the summer. And, we, you know, when we're all there together, we pour it into a fountain, and it, mm-hmm. it brings us together. So this year, what we did was people came one by one whenever they could come by church, and we videotaped them pouring their water into the fountain. Mm-hmm. And we'll do a like a montage of those videos for our online service uh, week from Sunday. So you know we're finding ways. We're trying to be creative about how to keep people connected, um, but it is challenging if you haven't been part of a community. On the other hand, it's easier online if if there's a group who is interested in uh, Chinese murder mysteries or something, <laughs> you can you can find those people, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter where they are in the world. Mm-hmm. You can still create connections with them through the the online virtual reality. So that's an opportunity we really haven't um done as much with in the past because it is so much more satisfying to be together in person Mm -hmm. but now you know that's the challenge that's the that's the tool that we have to work with so how can we be creative and make it effective so i have a question for you about um um having discourse with people who have very mm-hmm. definite and opposing mm-hmm. views about mm-hmm. things. It's it's mm-hmm. really it's tough these days because people are you know are really dug in and angry mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, 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 there sometimes there comes a point where where you say you know what. And I've said this to people on Facebook. Let's agree to disagree because I am yeah, not right. going to change your mind. You're not going to change. Mine. Right. Do you have any My advice brain. on that? Well, I think that's right. That. Ultimately, we have to respect each other's right to hold our opinions Mm -hmm. and say, you know, okay, I profoundly disagree, um, but I am not interested in reconsidering my point of view. I have to respect that you're not interested in reconsidering your point of view. And and either we don't have a discussion here because that was the purpose originally, or there's something else that brings us together. You know, we're really here to figure out how to bake bread or something. And <laughs> yeah. so let's get back to whatever that thing was that called us together and, and leave leave this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there is a way to say, I'm interested in hearing more about what you think uh, are you interested in having a discussion that that actually has some mutuality to it about this? Mm. But but I think the answer can be no. Yeah. You know, and there's certainly you know, if if someone wants to have a conversation with me about whether racism is real, for instance, mm-hmm. th- that is not a topic in which I'm open to any kind of. Um, 
debate. counter narrative, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. debate, you mm-hmm. know, it's just, a, and, and I don't want to be rude. I don't want to, um, hurt someone unnecessarily, but I'm also not going to hurt the people who depend on me to have their back right. on that subject by entertaining, um, you know, someone else's fantasies about it. Yeah. So I do think we have to have boundaries and we have to be clear and polite and compassionate about those boundaries. But we we're entitled to have them and we should respect them when other people have them. Right. You know, that's so true, because um, the thing is, there's a fine line between respecting people's opinions, but also not giving bad faith ideas a yeah. place, room. Yeah. room. And I think that's such a wonderful yeah. thing you said, because for me, it's like we have to set up this boundary. We have to create yeah. a fine line and we have to establish the rules of the discourse. And I think that I w- I'm so glad you said that because I feel like a lot of people believe that I th- they believe that tolerating ideas also means giving bad fa- wrong, right. wrongdoings. Fa- um fake facts a pass yeah or alternative right. facts a pass mm-hmm. and it's like no i right. do you believe that when it comes to like these toxic aspects of discourse that we, you know is there i'm trying to figure out a way to word this because <laughs> it's like there's so many ways i can mm-hmm. ask this but in this well, what is something you would suggest to kind of remove toxicity from your communities you know, you know, you make me think of the saying about everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but they're not entitled to their own facts. Yes. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so so there has to be some commitment to a, a mutual understanding of truth, yeah. you know, or proof or reality or so. Because if you don't have a shared reality, you you the conversation will in fact make you crazy. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, sort yeah, of the yes. definition of craziness is there's nothing that we share right. um, about reality here. So, so there has to be some sort of premise that you can agree on. And once you have that place to stand on together, then all kinds of things become possible. But yeah. if you don't have that to start out with, then, then, then I don't see how you can ever move forward. And it's, you know, sometimes because we're a very liberal tradition and we don't have a theological creed, you know, we ha- we understand that people are on their own spiritual journey and that looks very different right. for different people. And so that sometimes that's identified as saying, oh, you can believe whatever you want. Yeah, we got well, it. Kendall, that is not the case. Kendall, we got um, we yeah. got we got to go. I'm so sorry. We're out of time. I okay. love you. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Oh, you're come you're visit soon. And- have, have fun with the show. I'm, oh. I'm happy to be part of it. Okay, come visit soon. Love you. All right, we'll be back okay. on the Culture Corner in just a moment. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. And welcome back to The Culture Corner. Uh, we're wrapping, about to wrap up our first hour. Wanted to get back to some news, entertainment news. And one of the things that 
Brian had mentioned to me earlier was this whole thing about Chadwick Boseman. It was so, so sad, first of all, to lose someone at that young age to colon cancer. But we were talking about the whole controversy about some of the last pictures he posted on Facebook. He'd lost a lot of weight and people assumed he was on drugs or whatever. So t- tell me, talk a little bit about that. You know, for those of you who don't know, Chadwick Boseman is famous for being Black Panther. <clears throat> My bad. I was mm. going to say um, he plays the character Black Panther in the movie Black Huge Panther. Huge movie. And he it wasn't just a one character movie. He was in other uh, movies like uh, Captain America. And then he was also in the Avengers movie. So the Black Panther character is in a popular character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And Black Panther is the first superhero movie to be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. He and the was, first African-American superhero, really, right? Yeah. And the mm-hmm. first one to really be aimed at an African-American audience with an understanding of like African-American culture, mm-hmm. Afrofuturism. And he was he played Jackie Robinson in 42, um, James Brown in Marshall. Um, James Brown and Get On Up, and then he also played Thurgood Marshall. Uh, I mean, amazing Marshall. career, and is as relatively short as it was, but amazing career. Yeah, yeah. and he was 43 years old. So to yeah. give you guys that context, um, the last couple. Uh, months during the pandemic he had posted a video in support of something and he looked unusually thin and Mm -hmm. now the thing about Hollywood actors is that they kind of have to keep for superhero movies they kind of have to keep a certain regimen where they're thin but they're also toned up toned up Mm -hmm. and in some cases they might even have to gain weight for a role like like a couple other there was one actor who actually had to get fat because their character gets fat in the role Mm -hmm. but Chadwick Boseman, when he posted those videos, a lot of people and jumped on it, jumped on it. And they went from saying Black Panther. They took a picture of him as Black Panther Mm -hmm. and then a picture of him when he was dying. Mm -hmm. Mind you, he was dying and said Crack Panther. And it's so awful. It really is. And like the thing is, though, a lot of people that I know made these jokes. And then I haven't said anything to them, but I felt that, you know, there's something really off-putting about those jokes and the way he was really sick looking like looking back at it he was sick and he had colon cancer for four years never talked about it that's true and he never talked about it and i do have to say though is that there is a place where an actor should definitely keep private about their affairs and all Mm -hmm. that but it's also important to kind of not make that the point of their sickness you know Mm -hmm. the fact is that there are plenty of people that are outspoken about being sick and they're just as what wonderful and as strong worthy worthy of your attention as Mm -hmm. an admiration as someone like Chadwick Boseman who did keep it to himself it's Mm -hmm. okay to like be open about your suffering but and it's also okay it's a personal choice it's your that's a very personal choice yeah no, and no I, one has a right to criticize that. Yeah. And I definitely agree with that. And also, it, it tells you a lot that uh, the age of 60 is not the age of cancer. Any The age of cancer could be any oh, age. Yeah, people, kids get cancer, and, sadly. And the thing is, though, they actually at, talked about this actually, his death actually sparked the conversation about the fact that the African-American community gets, gets screened hit, for colon cancer, yeah. And they get hit pretty hard with it. Yeah. And that it actually turns out that colon cancer could actually affect young men a little bit more often than we anticipate so uh, yeah so that it was he in his in that way did us a service and left us that legacy in addition to his wonderful film career and you know? and the funny thing and the sad thing though is that a lot of black boys lost a hero oh I, yeah and it's such an unfortunate thing yeah. because when you think about it uh, you, black children don't really have that many superheroes and no. 
and somebody might say Blade, but when you go back and watch the original 90s Blade, it's an R-rated movie. I don't think... So it's not really kids. This was more, you know, uh, more aimed at kids to yeah. a certain degree. Yeah. And that's true. And also for a lot of people, people don't realize that a lot of people who work for Disney, they also do um, a lot of humanitarian work. They go out to hospitals. The fact is that a lot of these superheroes... They actually go to like hospitals to make kids feel better. And there are videos of Chadwick Boseman at hospitals. With little kids. Little kids. kids. Yeah. And so he inspired not only black children on screen, but he inspired a lot of black children just by walking into the, the hospital, hospital room. room. Yeah. It's beautiful. And yeah. for me, it's it's a really telling story because there's so many things to think about. Like, when do we admire people when they're sick? And the reality of sickness but we also have to think about what what someone's death really means to their fans mm -hmm. and and especially children who admired them i just want to say one thing about the um the pictures and the comments you know a as we just said whether if you're a well-known person the choice to be the decision to be open about whatever illness you're doing with again it's very personal you know no one's required to tell anybody what they're dealing with if they choose to and you feel that's going to help someone else that's fine that's great that's your choice if you don't that's also your choice but what i really disturbs me is that people feel entitled to make assumptions and judgments about why someone lost a lot of weight. You don't know. None of those people knew that. And just assume, oh, well, he's on drugs. And make those comments, I think, is just really low class. And also, I mean, he's a celebrity. For all you know, he has a gym and he actually has a pretty good um, diet. Or so. maybe he had another role to coming up where he had to be skinny. That's you don't know. True. There, there's so many possibilities. And I think that it's important to realize you are not always correct in your assumptions exactly. and and it kind of tells me that people forget history because rock hudson when he was on dynasty which is his final role mm -hmm. everyone made commentary about him looking bad that mm -hmm. he looked terrible and that he was awful and they made a lot of assumptions about him kissing linda evans mm -hmm. and then guess what it turned out to all be incorrect mm -hmm. and so it tells me a lot about if you see an actor and they look a little different or they're sick maybe you should keep an eye out for them because they might die or because they yeah. are sick and don't and don't assume that you know what i mean unless you're their their mate or the live of them their family you don't know you don't know what's going on with them no that's true because the fact is that celebrities have a personal life too and and they're entitled to it yeah that's true because the fact is that their personal life is already compromised to some extent. The fact that they'll, if they show up in public with someone, everyone will assume they're dating. Yeah. Or, yeah. or if they're at a certain venue, for example, let's say there's a straight actor and they go to an LGBT event, then they a see, lot. Of oh, he's gay. Yeah. He's gay. Yeah. Or they, or let's say a woman decides to put post a provocative photo for her friends. Well, like a beach photo, and yeah. then everyone jumps on and yeah. make cat calls. Yeah. Uh, there are so many. It's. It, it's difficult being a celebrity to that extent. I know that, you know, we like to think, oh, they're well, rich. Well, they, they asked, they wanted to be famous. They wanted this. But you know what? They're still entitled to respect and privacy as a human being up to a point. You know, no. their private life is their private life. No, yeah. I agree with that. And I think it's important to realize that a fan, there's a place, there is a fine line between being invasive and speculating. Yes, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chad McBoseman, thank you for your films and your legacy. Rest in peace. All right, we're going to be back with the second hour of the Culture Corner in just a bit.